0: So vision is so important, and um, I don't know if you've ever had a vision for something, but... Maybe it's been music. But you're passionate about music. It's starting a band, getting people together. You do whatever you have to do. You just go for it. You believe. You, you might be terrible, but you still believe in yourself, right? You get that vision going, right? It might be some kind of athletic thing. It might be uh, you might have dreamt up a small business or, you know, kind of launching something. I mean, you think you're going to be the next Steve Jobs. You're doing stuff out of your garage. You're probably not. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, you've got a vision for something. You're excited, right? And tonight, I want to talk with you about vision. I'm very excited. This is one of my favorite things to do is to talk vision and what God could do and think about the the exciting things that could happen and um uh, about three or four years ago, Joe, he was our youth pastor, came up to me and said, Doug, we have to have a softball team. And I shot him down hard. I said, no, no softball team. I said, uh, here, here are the things that are more important than a softball team. We've got to make sure these things happen. So he came back the next year. Dude, what about a softball team? Come on, man. No softball team. Kind of kept this going. And finally, he, he and a couple others this past year said, we need to have a softball team. And so I finally gave in. I don't even know what. They must have been praying and fasting. I don't know what happened. But I finally gave in. And uh, after having played a full season, I am publicly repenting from my sin of the years. I'm asking that the Lord would restore the years the locust has eaten. Uh, I will wear sackcloth and ashes if you'd like, because it was such an awesome year. We had such a great time. And and here's the thing about this vision. Joey would not let it die. And and the thing about it was when we finally said okay, I remember we met downstairs in one of the Sunday school, you know, little kids' classrooms, all these these guys sitting around the table, and we're just looking at each other, having no idea what the team's going to be like. And we just thought we were going to have a lot of fun together, get beat, and just laugh at each other when we made mistakes and all. But we wound up, we won the first game, we won the second game. We went on to, we went undefeated for much of the season. We started to lose a couple games. We, we ended up in first place in our, in our division. And then we lost our championship game, which will never be talked about again in my presence. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Joey had this vision. He wouldn't let it die. And the thing about the vision was that once we lived it out, it was even better and more exciting than we ever imagined. Here's what I believe, guys, and I I just hope you'll catch this tonight. I hope you will just leave here tonight full of bold vision, because I believe that when we talk vision tonight, and I'm just gonna warn you up front, I'm not talking about a little vision, okay? I'm, I'm not talking about stuff like we can do. I'm not talking about things that you and I can like go make happen here and now. I'm talking about things that God's gonna have to come through or it just won't happen kind of vision, if we'll get that inside of us, I think we'll see very much the same thing. That we'll walk out of here going, man, wow, that was way better than we even thought. Like, like we thought it was going to be pretty cool. I mean, maybe Doug, you know, the things he said and the ideas that came out were, were pretty exciting. But man, it was even way better than what we originally thought. And so tonight I want to talk with you about what I believe, what our staff believes God has for this place. What God has for our church and I want to tell you up front, too. I know some of you guys come from other churches. And I just want to say that I believe God's got so much for Long Island. And so if you're here tonight and you're like, well, I don't come to this church. Or I'm just visiting or whatever. I just want you to know that we are praying for you. We are praying for the churches and the church on Long Island. That great things would happen. And so I believe you can grab a hold of some of this and run with it, even if you don't normally come here. But I, I do want to talk about what I believe that God has for us. And I'll just tell you up front, the bold vision that I believe God wants to do and, and produce through this church. And that is this, that I believe he wants to reach thousands through this church. Thousands. I mean, tonight, maybe we'll have 150 people through the course of the two services. This morning, we had about 100. Uh, the green room can draw about 100 kids. And so I, I don't believe God wants us to just have 350 people cycling through here on a weekend. I believe that he's got so much more. I mean, we're rejoicing that that's happening. We're so thankful. There are days I'm like, I could just do this forever, man. Let's just go with the people we got and, and do this. But you know what? I really feel that to do that would be to ignore the vision that God has given us. You see, we dream of a day when thousands are reached. We dream of a day when just a thousand students, high school and middle school students, are reached. We, we dream big dreams. And I, and I want to tell you, I don't think this is just like a pep talk from Uncle Doug tonight, okay? I think that this is really, truly The heart of God for this place. Now, as I'm saying this, some of you guys might be thinking some things. Maybe you're thinking, well, Doug, don't you realize that there are some things going against us? I mean, the odds are not in our favor. You know, one thing you might be thinking is, this is Long Island. One of the hardest places, known as one of the hardest places in America and sometimes throughout the world to reach people with the love of Jesus. Uh, We were at a convention several years ago down south and as we were going around, going through this huge church, I mean, I mean, they talk about reaching thousands. They have you know tens and tens of thousands. So we're walking through this church and thinking how cool it is. And and this lady says to us, "Where are y'all from?" You know. And after I vomited from the speech, no, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Um, that's terrible. If you're from the south, okay. Uh, so it's love. There's nothing but love. Um, I have relatives in the south. I have a dear uncle. Anyway. Um, so we were down there, and so this lady, this lady says, where are y'all from? And, and the guy said, oh, we are from Long Island, and she just put her hand on them and began praying and interceding yeah. for, for that, like, that's, that's real, we, we were walking into the airport, and I, I guess one of us still had, like, a bag or something from the conference, and another pastor saw us and said, oh, where are you guys from, and and so they, we said New York. And he goes, oh, the, the ground's hard up there. And I honestly didn't know what he meant at first. like, the ground is hard? Like <laughs> a lot of asphalt on Long Island? I didn't. And then, oh, all right, spiritually, okay, it's like a tough, you know, okay, I got it, you know. But, but we're, we're known as just, uh, it's just a tough place. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Long Island's been labeled the preacher's graveyard, you know. And so there's some, there's some things against us. Okay, this is, a, this is a tough place, man. People don't really want to hear about God. People don't, don't want to know much about God. So, so you know what? I think about God, though, and I don't think like he had to have an emergency meeting with the Father and the Spirit. I don't think that Jesus, the three of them got together and said, well, we wanted to do something cool on Long Island, but are you where they call it the preacher's graveyard? It's not going to, it's not going to work. I mean, I mean, I don't think that that's what happened. I think that if God has something to do here, he's going to do it. Um, some of you guys might be thinking, well, another thing that's against us, Doug, is like, this has been a, a good year, but a, a tough year. I mean, if you're, if you're, if we're all just real together, like, we've lost a lot of people in the last year. So it's like, all right, well, what does that mean? It's almost like we're going in reverse. Like, so how are we going to reach thousands if we're you know, struggling to keep some of the people that we had? And it's been a, just an interesting year and in transition and God's been doing some new things in us. And, and I would say, yes, that's true. But I'd also just want to celebrate a few wins in the last year. I, I want to say that how cool is it that a softball team was started? That was, I mean, uh, no, I want to say how cool is it that a women's ministry was launched this year? How cool is it that discipleship group program was launched this year? How cool is it that our community groups got together with new vision to serve our community and go out and make food for people and paint houses. And I mean, just incredible things have happened in the last several months. How cool is it that a mortgage was paid off in nine months, that full-time staffs come on? So yes, I'm hearing you, but I'm also seeing God do a lot. And I would say this, I would say that we go, all right, if that's the year that God had for us, then this is a new year and this is a new time. And now we move forward and we trust him with numbers and results and all that good stuff. But ultimately. God's not concerned about that. He's not looking at living word going, oh, well, I, I would have loved to have done something, but they had a rough year. Uh, I, wish, I wish I could have done something more collision, but hasn't been the best year for that. You know what? It, it's, God's, not, God's not looking at us like that. And so what is he looking at us like? What, what, what's his heart? What's the potential? What, what could happen? And, and tonight, what I want you to know is not just information. I don't want you to just be like, oh, okay, so that's what Doug thinks is going to happen. I want you to own this. I want you to love this like I love this. I I want this to be your passion as much as it is my passion. Because the truth is, guys, is me and the staff, we can't do what God wants us to do alone. You have to do this. We have to do this. We have to be on board deciding, yes, God, we want in on what you have. We want in on the vision you have for Long Island. And we will partner with you by your grace to see thousands Reached. Well, some of you guys might also be thinking, well, Doug, how do we know this isn't like just your idea? You know, like maybe you're sitting, you're just looking out the window one day and you just decide, hey, let's reach thousands of people. Well, I think the, the, the biggest case I can build has been God speaking through people over the years. God speaking through people who many of you guys know hear from God. These people. That God has, has chosen to say, Hey, this is what I'm this is what I'm up to. This is what I'm gonna be doing. And and many of you guys would say, All right, yeah, I, I know that person, man, that like God really speaks to that person. And it's just incredible how I mean some of you guys would say, Yeah, the people that have, have given you some of these, these these words, Doug, man, I mean, they've prayed for me and they've like read my mail. They've it's it's like they haven't literally read my mail, but it's like they've read my mail. They just know what's going on in my life. I mean, God just speaks to them so clearly. You know what some of the things they've said over the years? I mean, I'm talking up to ten years ago, God began to just bring people into my life who would say, dude, you know what? This church this church is going to blow up. This church is going to just explode. This is not going to be a small church. This is going to be a big church. In fact, Doug, this is going to be bigger than you think it's going to be. It's going to just blow your mind. Your expectations are going to be blown at what God will do. Now, there's several reasons why I've been reluctant to share that with you. I've never shared that with all of you guys before. I've shared it with our team. I haven't really shared it with you. And there's a few reasons why. Number one, because I don't want to come across arrogant, like, oh, look at us. Aren't we so cool? You know what the reality is, guys? Is that this isn't about me. This isn't about our staff. This isn't about our team. This is about God fulfilling his purpose through our church. And here's what I want to make clear to you tonight. I'm not saying that a big church equals a successful church. You can have a huge number of people in a room who want nothing to do with God, okay? So that, in my book, doesn't count. But Kelly, as I was explaining some of these concerns to her, she, she helped me realize something great. She said, you know, I think what you have to help everybody understand is that we're not saying big equals successful. We're saying that fulfilling God's vision equals successful. And so if our vision were to be a 150-member church, rock on. But if, if the vision that God has for us is to be a big church that reaches thousands, then you know what? We can't sell for less. We can't sit back. we got to push forward because there's so much at stake. Another thing you guys might be thinking is, Doug is like all about numbers. He just cares about numbers, just sees it like, you know, empty seats. And and if the seats are full, then we're doing good. And and John Piper knew I was speaking on this this week, so he tweeted this for me. um, Said something great. Look what he says. He says, numbers matter. As lifetimes for Christ, they matter gloriously. For bragging rights, they matter damningly. So what's he saying? here? He's saying, look, all right, if you are focused on people coming to know Jesus and living their lives for God, who otherwise wouldn't have, if you're talking about people discovering the grace of God, that their sins are forgiven, that they are loved, and that he has given his son for them, and now they're going to live in response to that, then that matters. If you're just talking about bragging because you think you're great and your church is great, then that doesn't matter at all. That's a waste of breath and a waste of time. So I'm not interested in bragging about how great our churches is or how many numbers we're going to have. I am interested, and I continually pray day by day, and our staff continually prays day by day that our motives be pure in this. But I want people to wake up with the peace that I have. I want people to wake up with the hope that I have. See, like we take that for granted so much as Christians. We wake up in the morning, and we're going, all right, God, man, this is going to be a hard day. I mean, I was just uh, in the ICU all weekend with my mother who... Um, I mean, close to death Friday. Saturday, a little bit better. Today, much, much better. But you know what? I woke up Friday. I woke up Saturday. I woke up today going, it's in control. It's it's in your control. I'm crying out to the God that's in control. And you know what? So many don't have hope. So many don't know what it's like to have their sin forgiven, to have the weight of the guilt and shame of their past mistakes and regrets lifted off their shoulders. And that's what I care about. Another thing you guys might be thinking is, well, Doug, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical when people say they, they heard from God or God said this, or, and I'm right there with you, and I think we gotta be real careful with that kind of stuff. But I will say this, and the Bible's real clear on this, God speaks. God speaks. In fact, many of you guys who have come up for prayer during our prayer times, as our, our people have surrounded you and prayed for you, whatever you're going through, you know God speaks because he's spoken to you here. He's, like I said before, it feels like he's read your mail. It feels like the people praying for you know exactly what's going on in your life, though you've never talked to them before. It's because God speaks. And so I want you to know tonight that I I believe that we can stand on some promises that God has given us. And I think to sit back and to shrink back from that is just simply settling. And so let's keep our motivations pure and let's go for the right reasons. But I want to talk with you tonight about having a bold expectation of what God could do through you, through you. See, that's that's the big thing. This won't work if it's only me. It's only our staff through your life. Now, if you're not a Christian here tonight, we're so glad that you're here. And we just hope that you're seeing a room full of people that have experienced God, that know He's real, that have been uh, changed by His presence in our lives, and that He could do some incredible things in your life. As I, I read this story tonight, I hope you'll see what a big God we have. And so, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that human plans will fail, but God's plans won't be stopped. And so if Uncle Doug's getting up tonight and giving this little spiel, and I dreamt this all up, I won't succeed. But if this is God's plan, it won't be stopped. If this is God's plan, and we go, Lord, we're going with you, we're on track, we're ready for this, then, man, what a bold expectation we can have. And so let's talk about this guy Joshua tonight, because... Joshua was in a similar situation to us. You see, he was in a desperate place. He was in a place where the odds looked really bad. And so if some church expert walked into our church tonight and he saw 150 people and and he heard me say, you know, I believe God's going to have us reach thousands, he'd go, yeah, have fun with that. Go, the odds are against you, man. And you know what? Joshua was in a similar place. The odds were against him. He was in trouble unless God did something and showed up. And so let's look tonight at what happened in this story with Joshua. This is Joshua chapter 10. And you guys can all laugh at me as I mispronounce names tonight. That's fine. i give you permission up front. Uh, you'll be beaten later. Um, verse 1 says, Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. So here's what's going on, okay? And just stick with me through all this history stuff, okay? It it matters. It's important. We got to get this, okay? So this is like after Moses. This is after the 40 years in the wilderness. And Joshua has led the people into the promised land, into Canaan. And the problem is, is that there are people in Canaan who don't want them there. And Israel has not picked any fights, but these people are picking fights. They're trying to wipe out Israel. And so Israel is walking through and God is with them. And so they're just marching through and, and, and battles are being won on their behalf. Now, as they go through, they come to this city called Gibeon and they make friends with them. And so out of all these places they're marching through, Gibeon says, we want to be, you know, partners with you. And so we're going to make this peace treaty. All right. Now, verse two, he and his people. Okay. Now, this is the king of Jerusalem, were very much alarmed at this. Because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So the king of Jerusalem's looking at this going, all right, Israel came in here. We don't like Israel. We don't want Israel here. We want to get rid of them. And now they're tight with one of the biggest cities around with some of the best fighters. So this could be really bad for us. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, here we go, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Zaphia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. And look what he says. Come up and help me attack Gibeon because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. So, all right, they're going, all right, Israel's tight with them. So we are going to attack Gibeon, try to wipe them out, pick this fight with Israel and wipe them out. Look what happens, verse six. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua... In the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So, if you're looking with natural eyes, the odds aren't looking good. It's two nations against many nations. The odds aren't looking good. So, here's Joshua in the middle of a really bad situation, and these people just want to wipe him off the face of the earth. And here's us in an interesting situation in one of the toughest places on Long Island. And what's going to happen? What could happen? Verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And listen to this. this It's so important. Verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. What does Joshua now have? He has a promise. He has a promise from God. And that promise from God is, go. You're going to be all right. I'm with you. They're not going to wipe you out. You're going to wipe them out. I've got this under control. Don't look at the odds, Joshua. Look at me. Here we are. We've got some promises. That God wants to do some amazing things Long on that. He wants to turn things upside down and, and reach people and, and do some crazy things that would shock us if we could understand now fully. And so what do we do? Do we look at the odds or do we look at him? So what happens in our story? There's some things we've got to get from Joshua. Get him in our spirit, man. We've got to grab a hold of this and live this out like he did. Verse 9 shows Joshua's response after the promise. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. So Joshua gets this promise from God. And he goes, all right, men, I mean, just imagine, we're going Braveheart style here, right? He looks, his men in the eyes, right? And he goes, we're going all night, and we're marching right into battle. No rest, don't sit down, don't go to sleep, we're not going to rest up, we're not going to doubt God, we're not going to sit back and say this is impossible, it's two nations versus however many. It's, no, we are going. What did Joshua do? What did he do here? He lived boldly. He lived boldly, man. He was ready. He had the promise of God, why not live boldly? And you know what I want you to do, want me to do? I want us to live boldly. I want us to say, all right, we have the promise of God that he's going to do some great things. And this is not going to be a little time church. It's going to be a big time church that God's going to do some things that will blow our minds. So let's live boldly. Because here's what I want you to understand tonight is that some of the people, some of the thousands that God wants to reach are your neighbors. They're your friends. They're your family members. They're the people you go to school with and work with. Don't think because I'm a pastor, I've got the platform. I mean, I'm on it right now, but you guys have the real platform. You'll have it tomorrow morning. You'll have it all throughout your week. You'll have it every time you walk past that neighbor's house. You'll have it when you walk home tonight, some of you. You'll have the opportunity to live boldly. Can you just imagine? I mean, sometimes I like to do that. I like to just kind of sit and imagine people around me that currently don't know God, that are without the hope of God. Imagine them in church with me. Imagine them worshiping. Imagine your family. Imagine those people that, I mean, right now they drive you crazy, right? And they might, not, they might still later, but, right? Those people, right? Who, who you think are so far from God, man, if you begin to live boldly, you begin to say, you know what? There's a promise from God. I'm going to live this out. And I try to stress this all the time. I say boldly, not weirdly, right? Boldly is good. Weirdly is bad. Just remember that one, all right? And so go boldly like Joshua did. And and let's see what happens here. Verse 10, The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. So God responds to the boldness. And check this out. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth and cut them down all the way to Ezekiel and Makeda, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Ezekkah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. So God acts greatly in response to their boldness. And what I think we should expect for Long Island is that God is going to hurl large hailstones down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think what we should expect for Long Island is that God is going to respond to us living boldly. If he's given us a promise, if he said, I want to reach people, well, man, we're all in the people business because they're all around us. And so live boldly. Look what happens next. One of the craziest verses in the entire Bible, I promise you. On the day of the Lord, I'm sorry, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, look what he says, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon over the valley of Ajalon. Did Joshua just pray the sun would stand still? Like, so he's, he's at battle, right? God tells him, you're going to win this battle. And obviously what's happening is, is as they're battling, and remember, Israel's not out picking fights. They're, they're defending themselves here. And these people, apparently as the sun's starting to set and go down, these people are starting to get away. And who knows that if they don't finish this today, maybe these people will come back, and that's another battle for Israel. So Joshua looks at the sun. And he prays that it will stand still. Who prays that, right? I mean, it's like a. I mean, to be honest, that's just a silly, stupid prayer. Sun stands still. For starters, it's the wrong prayer, right? Scientifically, he should be praying, "Earth stands still." But here he is praying boldly, and God's not up in heaven going like, "Well, I'm gonna wait till you get your science right, Joshua, and then we'll talk." Right? He's merciful. He knows what Joshua means. And so, what do we see here? We see Joshua praying boldly. And guys, I want to ask you to not just live boldly, but to pray boldly. To pray for the people in your lives that don't know God. That don't seem to want to know God. To begin to pray boldly for them. That change will happen. That things will happen in their lives that they could never believe. The pastor of this church and who the guy who speaks in the morning service pastor verbone was a drug addict woke up only to get high again was a complete mess um i know it's this whole weird strange scenario but i'm married to his daughter and so um his wife my mother-in-law had actually changed the locks on the house and thrown all of his clothes out the door because it was a mess 30 something years ago didn't want him near the kids and he had somebody praying for him. And they're, they're looking at this guy who's a 24-7 drug addict. Literally out of his mind. He was at the point where he couldn't read. His mind was so fried from drugs. And someone was praying for him. His mom was praying for him. Be with Vinny. Be with Vinny. Draw him to yourself, God. Do what you've done in my life, God, praying, 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 praying. Boldly. And the impossible happened. Because when he was out that night and his life was falling down, God met him, changed his life, restored his sanity, restored his ability to read. And his life has changed for these last 30-something years he's been pastoring this church. One of the best husbands I know, one of the best dads I know. You know what that is, guys? That's the power of prayer. It's looking at someone in your life who hates God and wants nothing to do with it and seem, thinks it's stupid and a waste of time and some kind of silly fairy tale until they hit rock bottom and God shows up and changes everything. And you know what? Your lives are filled with these people. And I want to tell you tonight, pray boldly. Pray boldly that God will reach them. The coworker who makes fun of you because you read your Bible, person at school who mocks you because you're in the Bible club, pray boldly. Your parent who thinks you're wasting your time coming here tonight, pray boldly because the people we're praying for make up the thousands we'll reach. Another thing we see here is not just living boldly or praying boldly, but we see Joshua expecting boldly. I mean, who prays that the sun would stand still? That's incredible expectation that God can stop this from happening, that that God could do this miracle, right? And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to come to church, come to Collision, go to your community group, go to your discipleship group, go to deeper, go to the green room with expectation that God could show up, that God could do something huge every time you walk through the door. Because guys, here's the thing, it doesn't depend on you. Like, could Joshua do anything to make the sun stand still? No. But he was depending on God. And I want to challenge you guys that as we pray and as we live boldly, that as we expect boldly, great things will happen. That he will show up. So what happens with Joshua's story? Verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Joshua the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now listen, God's got a promise for Joshua. He lives and he prays and he expects boldly and God comes through. And I want you to be challenged by that tonight. I also want to be sensitive to somebody in the room tonight that might not believe in God. and might think this is all just crazy talk. I live there a lot of my life. Just want you to know that up front. And I want you to just think about this. I mean, you're sitting there thinking, all right, we've got hailstones coming from the sky, right? We've got the sun and the moon standing still. Like, what's next? Like, Gandalf rides out on a horse and shoots people with his wizard staff? You know what I mean? Like, come on, are you kidding me? And you know what? There's a few things I want to say to you if that's how you're feeling right now, because I understand that perspective. A few things. First thing, in verse 13, the writer of Joshua says, all these things happen. The sun stands still, all this, like it says in the book of Jashar. And I just want to tell you real quick what the book of Jashar is. The book of Jashar was a collection of hymns. And these hymns were based on the historical and military exploits of Israel. And so the writer of Joshua is not saying, hey, take my word for it. He's saying, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Just like it's written in the book of Jashar. And the book of Jashar was used to train people. It was used to train future Israelite generations and to train them in history, to change them in military strategy and stuff like that. So what the writer of Joshua here is saying is, don't just take my word for it. Go check out our history book. Go check out. You've seen this before. You know what's going on, so check that out. Now, if you really don't care about that, let me just tell you that maybe we've seen the sun stand still too. See, maybe we haven't seen the literal sun stand still, but I want to tell you that here in this place, we've seen the sun stand still in different ways. It's impossible for the physical sun stand still unless God does something. It's impossible for many things to happen. And I'll just tell you one. I could tell you a bunch. I mean, if you want to talk more and pick my brain, that's fine later. But one of the things I want to tell you is I got an email a couple of weeks ago from a woman who had attended our church for a while. She actually ended up moving to another country. But she said that when she was here, she had a two-year-old daughter that was unable to walk. And... She brought the, the baby to church and, and brought this little child up for prayer. And we prayed over that child, and it was no big deal. I mean, we just prayed. We just prayed and expected something awesome. And I got an email from her that a week, within a week, this girl was walking. That God did something perfect and that she's absolutely perfect. Her legs are, I mean, everything as it should be. And I can tell you story after story of current, up-to-date experiences. There's people in the room that can tell you their story of current, up-to-date experiences where the sun stands still. And God does the impossible. And so I get your skepticism tonight, but I want you to know that the things we're talking about tonight, we can rely on the God that we've experienced, the God of the Bible, to come through. And so what I want you guys to do, what I want you guys to walk out of here, what I hope you'll carry with you, um, this is not a message. This is a vision. This is a calling. This is how we live from here on out is that we boldly live, pray, and expect that God's promises will come to pass. That's what I want to ask you to do. Every one of you to boldly live, pray, and expect for God's promises to come to pass. That God would by his grace reach thousands through us that he would show up and he would do what only he can do. And so now it's time for some things to change because when Joey finally convinced me that we were gonna do a softball thing, some things had to change in my life. I had to start losing a little weight, had to start eating a little bit better. I started watching videos. I was watching YouTube clips. I was trying to understand uh, hitting and swings. And one day I literally moved all the furniture late at night. My neighbors must have thought I was insane. They're never going to come to church. Uh, but I moved all the furniture in my living room and I had a, a mirror set up in front of me and a baseball bat. And I was watching my swing and I'm just like literally at midnight, just swinging a bat in my living room by myself, <laughs> you know, just going for it. I got to get this swing level and all this stuff. And I remember one day I was up in the office, I was watching a, a YouTube video on how to properly get my glove nice and you know easy to move. And so I was watching this, this YouTube video about how to do it with shaving cream and then put it in a pail and put it in the water, and then you tie a thing around it. And as I'm watching this and I'm just like enthralled, I didn't even notice two visitors had walked into the church all the way up and knocked on my door, and then I'm sitting there watching this guy say, Now take the shaving cream. And I'm like, Oh, I just finished my prayer time, sorry, you know. So that was interesting. But you know what? When he got the vision across, it was time to do something. My life had to change. I had to start to respond. And now it's time for us to change. So, so what do you do? You live boldly. Well, how do you live boldly? Well, I can tell you how you start. We're starting a new series next week called Overflow. And our staff is gonna team up over the next nine weeks to teach that series. And we're gonna talk all about what God does when he involves himself in our lives, what the spirit of God produces in our lives. And as we talk about these things, maybe just maybe God would do something in one of your friends' lives. And so when you walked in tonight, you got the bulletin with the connection card, but you also got two invitations to collision. And one way you can live boldly this week is to give that to somebody. And so would you pray about who to give that to? So I want you to live boldly. I want you to take opportunities to invite people to church or just to care for them and just pray for them, you know? I mean, I've shared with you guys before about just times God's giving me opportunities to just pray with somebody. People don't turn that down usually. They, they want your prayer. You know, I, I had a guy from Raymore and Flanagan come to my house, you know, and he was fixing something. And I just said, is there anything I could pray for you? The guy's like tearing up in my house as I'm praying for this guy, you know? And I mean, he's not going to say no. He's, he brought up his daughter and what she's going through. And I, you know, I mean, we have these awesome opportunities just to live boldly. I want you to pray boldly. Well, how do you pray boldly? Well, I'll give you an opportunity. This Friday night, 11.45 p.m., come to this church, and we're going to have a late night prayer. We're going to have time together. After the green room, everybody's gone home. We're going to come together, probably pray in the kitchen together, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to cry out to God to reach the thousands. We're going to pray for the other churches in the areas, because this isn't just about our church. We're going to pray for and We'll pray for Smithtown and True North, and my dad's got a church out in Port Jeff, and my brother-in-law works at a church in Northport, and I mean, just all the awesome things God's doing, and we'll just pray, and we'll cry out to God, God, you've said this is what you want to do, and so God, accomplish it, and we'll just pray as long as he wants us to pray. We've done this in the past. Sometimes we go till five in the morning. Sometimes we go till two in the morning. You can come for 10 minutes. You can come at midnight if you can't make it i mean you just come and go as you please there's no like you know once you're in you can't leave or anything just just come but but here's an opportunity to pray with expectation i want you guys to carry this vision and some of you guys might be thinking well Doug, it sounds all good you know i'm real inspired but but is it practical will it work give me an example show me tell me a story move me motivate me somehow with real life and I would say you don't have to look too far because 30 years ago, Pastor Ravone started this church, created an awesome place, made an awesome foundation to be built on. And about 10 years ago, he got probably one of the worst ideas he's ever gotten and now offered me a job. And I came out and we started a youth group with about six kids. And you know what? We had six kids for about two years. And i sang every song I knew. I did every dumb trick I knew. I I mean, it's a miracle these guys didn't like bring me up on charges, leaving with welts and stuff from blacklight dodgeball. You can't see dodgeballs in blacklight. Oh, uh, no one told me that. You know I mean? Like all these things going on, right? I mean, you know what? But six turned to 12 and 12 turned 24. And and last last month in December, Joey's leading that now. and, And there was 115 kids here. I mean, 150 kids on a Friday night what 115 middle school and high school kids want to go to church on a friday night maybe maybe the sun's already started to stand still and you you can look at our own service here collision we started with about the same number about six years ago we had this crazy idea to to try to reach out on a sunday night and begin to just do something a little different do church a little different a little bit louder a little bit more obnoxious and you know what we started with six and we had you know that for a long time as well and Again, the tricks weren't working and the, my stupid messages weren't working. And you know what? You know what worked? Sun stand still prayers. God, we can't do this. What are we going to do? We got a great band. Got a adequate to poor speaker. But God, we need you. We need you. And here we are tonight. And you know what? The church experts tell you, 20-somethings don't go to church. That's funny because there's a lot here tonight. At high school students don't want to go to church when Tim Tebow's playing, man. But here a lot of you guys are tonight. And you know what? It's so cool that God has shown up. And maybe the truth is that we've already started to see the sun stand still. And so you don't have to look too far to be inspired, but you also don't have to look too far to see how how much more there is to do and how much further there is to go. There's so many to be reached. And so I would challenge you guys, to live boldly, to pray boldly, and to expect boldly that God's promises will come to pass. We need you. This is not a nice little message that I hope you'll enjoy. This is a plea to join with us and push forward until we see all that God has be accomplished. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you're with us. God, that man's plans will fail, but God's plans can't be stopped. And so we uh, just say, we want your plans, God. We're we're not making this stuff up. We're not trying to turn your arm and, and twist your arm, make you do things you don't want to do, God. We we just want to be where you have us. And so we trust you and, and we just come humbly tonight. And God, I, I just humble myself in front of anybody. And I, I just say, I I don't know how to lead thousands. I don't know how to speak to thousands. Our staff doesn't know how to do any of that. We're inexperienced. We're young. We're We're clueless, but God, you're able. My messages aren't good enough to reach thousands of people. I know that. My leadership skills are not good enough to reach thousands of people, but God, it doesn't intimidate you. My inability doesn't intimidate you. Our youth doesn't intimidate you. And so I just pray, God, that you would do your thing and that our motivations would always be to bring you glory and not ourselves. Keep us humble in the process. But God, we just say, do great things. Do it in a way, God, like you did with the green room, because I couldn't take the glory for that. Do it in the way you've done this. I I couldn't take the glory for this, God. Do it in a way that only you can, so that people will look and not say, oh, it makes sense. They have a good speaker and they have a good band and a good leader, but God, do it in a way that you would get the credit. if you're a christian would you just ask god to burn this vision and this 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 mission into your heart that you will carry this that you will live boldly that you will pray boldly and that you will expect boldly and if you're not a christian and you've seen tonight that there's a god that answers prayer there's a god that shows up there's a god that satisfies there's a god that gives joy there's a god that makes the sun stand still then maybe tonight you want to begin a relationship with him And there's nothing that thrills me more than when somebody comes to a point where they say, Jesus, I need you. And maybe that's for you tonight. And so would you pray this? If that's where your heart is tonight. Just quietly, Jesus, I need you in my life. Thank you for the love that you have for me. Thank you for how you died for me. And you rose again. And now this hope, this satisfaction, This joy, let it be mine in you. Remove my sin, remove my guilt, remove my shame, and help me to know the joy of living in a close relationship with you. These last two songs that we're going to sing together tonight really aren't worship songs, they're anthems, they are things that we'll sing and declare together with expectation and boldness that God will do what he's promised to do through us in this place.